Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts, Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And once again, this is just an episode with the two of us. So Jen, as we frequently do, I'm going to ask you how you're doing. Thank you for asking me, Kim France. Um, I am, I've been thinking about this because I was thinking, you know, what are we going to talk about today? And I've been thinking about a lot of different themes of my life lately. I feel like this moment of transition out of COVID and into the world is making me reevaluate all kinds of things. But one thing I've been thinking about a lot is escape for some reason. (laughs) Like, I've been following, do you follow Eric Knees? I am going to say that I know the answer to this, but do you follow Eric Knees from the real world, New York? I don't. Okay. Eric Knees from the real world, New York, the first real world, like in the 90s, they just had a reunion of all of them. Did you, you did not watch the reunion, the real world reunion? I didn't watch the real world real world reunion but i do remember eric knees he was like okay. a, he was like a good looking model type guy right he was like hot yeah he was a dancer and he was a model and he was super sexy he like was in that time where he you know remember the calvin klein ads with like the guys in the underwear and mark you know marky mark and yeah. anyway, he looked like that right well now he is a shaman okay <laughs> awesome <laughs> And like, at first I was like, oh, great. This is going to be hilarious and irritating. Like when I was watching the reunion, but actually he's this like incredibly centered, still really sexy, kind of silver foxy kind of guy. But he goes on these ayahuasca trips or he goes on these trips where he does ayahuasca with a bunch of other enlightened people. And the most recent one he did was in Peru. And I was just like, fuck, man, I want to be doing ayahuasca with Eric Knees in Peru. (laughs) Like, 
where did my life go wrong that I am not having it, like I feel a little boxed in even though things have been lifted I feel boxed in by my life choices and you know everything that's happened to me since we got out of the pandemic is mostly parenting related and it's mostly you know time with parent friends which is fine and you know my husband's working all the time and I'm just very much like I want to fucking bust out I want to do ayahuasca with Eric Nees um, so yeah, that's been my feeling. I, I understand that feeling. I can validate that feeling, but I will also say if you, if your truest desire is to have ayahuasca, do ayahuasca with Eric knees, I feel like that's achievable, but <laughs> I do, I feel like that's achievable, but you know, it's so interesting. I've never done mushrooms. I've never done acid, but somehow ayahuasca is however you pronounce it is appealing to me. You're pronouncing it correctly. And I have done mushrooms, never acid, because I was warned way too many times by people that I did not have the disposition to handle acid, so I never <laughs> did acid. And I think they're probably right. And then also the thing of like that it probably not true, but that it gets stuck in your spine and spinal fluid and like you could just have like a flashback at any time. Like, no, thank you. Um, but I have done mushrooms and have very much enjoyed mushrooms for the most part. And I have thought about... I mean, this is so like white lady, like influencer wellness, but I have thought about like microdosing psilocybin as like a thing I wanted to do or doing a guided psilocybin trip. I've thought about both of those things and that might be something I explore in the next year of my life. I know somebody who did microdosing and had a lot of good things to say about it. Yeah, I do too. I also know people who are taking progesterone and say that it is like um, microdosing. I have a friend. I have a friend who just got on hormone therapy, who's deep in perimenopause, and is like, it is like have taking my my little teeny tab of progesterone every day is like I can't wait to take it. It's like taking like a happy drug. Wow. So yeah, I don't know. That might be that might be where I'm headed. I don't know on my on my menopausal journey, um, it might be where I'm headed next. But no, the, the idea of escape is it's, you know, and I'm sure you know this from your life and I know this from my life. I was a person who used to blow my life up. Like anytime things were uncomfortable or I was bored, I would just be like, fuck it, I'm out. And usually the, the pulling the relocation, as they say in 12-step um, programs, is isn't there's no solution right that's not the solution there is no better than here is the old buddhist thing so we kind of know that but i'm fantasizing about a life that i think i think i'm fantasizing a little bit of a, about a life that's my own in a way because i'm just still inside with my husband and kid to some degree you know camp is kind of opened up but we're all here and i think it's i think it's that i'm wanting I'm wanting some independence, which I haven't yet gotten in the reopening. How do married people with children swing independence? Well, I mean, I don't know how other married people with children swing independence, but my husband and I have always been good with each, giving each other a lot of spaciousness. You know, we both travel a lot for work um, or have in the past, and we just haven't for a while. So I think that I think that in the fall, I'm going to do some kind of, because I also have this book looming over my head, which is its own thing because it doesn't exist yet. And it's almost worse that it doesn't exist in any real form. Like it's just like a smattering of words here and there. 
So I think that in the fall, I'm going to take some kind of trip solo um, that will include some kind of like writing retreat. I don't know what, what that will be yet, but once Charlotte's back in school, my kid is in school, I'm thinking that that's when I can sort of hit the eject button and fly a little bit out of this situation. <laughs> I feel like how you're feeling must not be very uncommon right now. I mean, the same way that some people said, like, people are either going to dress in sweats after COVID or they're going to dress to the nines all the time. I feel like there are people who got used to being homebodies and really enjoy it. And there are people who are just like, get me the fuck out of here. And I did enjoy it. But now I am, get me the fuck out of here. I feel just like, get me the fuck out of here. I just, I want, I want, I want to live. What else is there? (laughs) Machu Picchu, here I come. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of, speaking of the, the coronavirus and everything else, here's another topic. I have a close family member who is refusing to get vaccinated and refusing to vaccinate anyone in their family, their spouse, anyone, because their body is a temple and they don't want to put any chemicals in their body. And I am like, that is such a moral failing that this may be a deal breaker in our relationship. What do they eat if they're against chemicals? What medicine do they use for the do they take aspirin i don't i I mean not yeah i know you're right yes this the the reluctance of so many people to get vaccinated is mind-blowing to me just mind-blowing i i i do not get it i i understand people think it hasn't been around long you don't know what it's going to do but like 100% of the people currently hospitalized with COVID are, didn't get vaccinations. Yeah. And yes. And I think that these kinds of health decisions, like, and if you're going to veer toward wellness and I, Western medicine makes me nervous, you know, and I understand there's a balance to all of this, but this is like, this is life and death. Not only that, it's life and death and it is the public health. Yes. You know, when I I read something somewhere on social media where a woman who was a bit older than a good bit older than me said, you know, when they came up with the polio vaccine, it was the law. You know, it was the law that everyone went out and got that vaccine. It's 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 crazy to me. And I try to be empathetic, but it just makes me so angry, especially because. I was traveling a lot in the past couple weeks and I was in a lot of rest stops and I was in a lot of restaurants and I was in a lot of hotels and all of them pretty much had signs saying, if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. And yet, of course, nobody was checking to see if people were wearing masks. So who knows? I mean, I, 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 I feel like I should still be wearing my mask with all of these unvaccinated people walking around, even with a vaccine. I... I do too. And it is, it's a desperate to me moral failing to not think about the greater good. To not think like, oh great, so your body, your white entitled body is a temple, but the rest of us all have to get vaccinated? Yeah. You know, like we're all, we're all protecting you, asshole. And, you know... You know, it, it, my worst case scenario is this is just a case of survival of the fittest and all those dumb assholes are going to, I'm talking so harshly, I hate to sound that way, but I, know, I mean, me too. I get so 
angry about it. It just doesn't make logical sense. And I hate, you know, I hate the fact that it became a political issue, which I think is behind a lot of people's decisions not to do it, and which it never should have been. It never should have been a political issue. No, it never should have been a political issue, but I'm not even talking about like, I'm talking about like a subset of a sub, like this isn't like a Trumpy thing. These are people who, there's a whole wellness community that, that, you know, is really anti, it's the anti-vaxxers. It's a very California thing and it's, and it's very white and it's people who just believe, well, you know, I take my adaptogens and I take my bucket of supplements every morning and I I won't get very sick if I get, I probably won't get sick if, or they think they won't because their bodies are healthy. And it it's just, it's that thing of like, we have to do things as a community. Yeah. We can't just think this, this like, this toxic individualism it goes that's back to the the Mia Bird song thing this is toxic individualism totally yep and i'm anyway and so this person had not told me that about their decision and wanted to hang out with my family and i i couldn't because i couldn't because of whatever i just couldn't and then i found out 2 weeks later you know that they that their family's not vaxxed and you know my kid is not vaccinated so it's like you've, you've put people at risk here. Yep, yep, you absolutely do. And I don't know how you handle that. Do you tell them very nicely that you've got a difference of opinion than them on this? Uh, you know, what, what do you do? I don't know. I think I'm going to say, um, I think I'm going to say, I think I'm going to be very direct and try to not, I'm really working on not being passive aggressive. I used to be just aggressive aggressive. That was like my, <laughs> I know. As you know, as, as you know, <laughs> as you know, because you called me feral. <laughs> yes. I did? I used to just be aggressive aggressive but I'm and then I moved into I think for many years into like a passive aggressive state which was also not great you know just avoidance and so I'm trying to be very thoughtfully direct in my communication with people so I think that I'm not going to cause a confrontation but the next time this person reaches out to me I'm going to say hopefully over the phone I am not comfortable with your decision to not be vaccinated for my family's health. So we can hang out in the same way we hung out when there were all the restrictions and when we were in lockdown, unless you choose to get vaccinated. I think that's fair. And that's setting a boundary and that's just very clear. And I'm trying, I'm very, I'm very much trying to not like project my rage, (laughs) like a judgment because, you know, what are you going to do with that? That's just messy. Yeah, you're not going to say, I am not comfortable with your idiotic decision not to be vaccinated or vaccinate right. your family. Exactly, exactly. There's somebody I go to, I won't, I won't be specific, but there's somebody I, I see regularly who is not vaccinated. And every time I ask her if she's vaccinated, every time she's like, I'm getting there. And I, I just, yeah. It's really hard to know what to do. It's it's I can I can completely relate to that. Well, it's really hard to feel like somebody's not aligned with your values that you love. It's I I find 
I find that to be a really challenging situation, like across the board. And I'm a, I'm a fairly, I think I'm pretty open and accepting about people's lifestyles and choices and what people, like I don't care how people live their lives, except in these certain, like I hate lying a lot, I hate phonies a lot, and I hate people who jeopardize other people's health, I guess is my... <laughs> like my my narrow list of things that I find really hard to parse. Yep, I'm with you. And now let's take a quick break for some ads. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. I've been watching some good TV, speaking of being at home. I've been watching a show called Dave. Have you heard of this show? I have heard of Dave. I have. Okay. So I was like, mm, I don't really care about a show about a young white man's penis. 
which is basically what this show is about. <laughs> and it's funny because, I mean, it's literally funny. The show is hilarious. But it's amazing that with the right creators, like you can turn anything into anything. Like the show, the concept of this show is that this is a man, a, a white Jewish rapper with a fucked up penis who, who raps about it. And they have managed to take, make an entire like series about this, this very small concept. And it is so good. And the all of the characters, all of the, like the, the not main character, but the ensemble is really excellent. So like anyone can sort of hold a whole episode and I've been laughing a lot and really enjoying it. I just finished the first season and the second season is out now. So highly recommend the show about the Jewish rapper with the fucked up dick. You know, your celebrity crush, Ben Sinclair from high maintenance works on that show now. Yes, you have just outed my celebrity crush. Absolutely. I saw <laughs> I saw that he he has directed a couple of episodes and he has directed the best episodes, I will say that. And also, I thought while I was while I saw his name come up, that's so smart of Ben Sinclair from High Maintenance to not just go be like the best friend on like some, you know, rom-com movie or something. Like this is such a good career move for him. He's making another great show. Yep. Yep. Love him. Love him and love that show. So that's my, that's my big entertainment wreck for the week. Well, I've still been watching Game of Thrones. We're into season two. Oh my God. A lot, (laughs) an awful lot has happened. Have you had the Red Wedding yet? No, but I know the Red Wedding is a very shocking event. Okay, so that's not that's maybe in season two. Yeah, no, I know. Apparently, I'm still a ways from the Red Wedding, but I know that it's a very shocking event, and so I've been doing some guesswork about who is going to die at the Red Wedding. Okay, okay. I, I'm hoping it's King Joffrey. Okay, okay. King Joffrey is such, such a prick. He's such a dick. He is such a dick. And I read before I watched Game of Thrones that that young man who plays Prince jo- played Prince King Joffrey um, is was bullied in life like by strangers on the street because he plays an asshole so well. Oh wow, and he's young, poor thing. <laughs> poor poor thing. Yeah, that is a t- terrible role. Who are you, who, which characters are you enjoying in Game of Thrones? Um, the little tomboy daughter, Arya. Oh, the best. The best. Um, I like the oldest Stark child, Rob. Yes, yes, I remember Rob, yes. I liked Kat, the white, the, the, the female head of the Stark clan, but I, I am disliking her more and more. Okay, but okay. it's just like this show. It's just so crazy. Oh, and you know what else I, I watched? Blair Witch Project. Oh, upcoming guest. Upcoming Blair Witch. guest. The star of Blair Witch. Yes, Heather Donahue, my best friend from high school. OMG, the scariest <laughs> last se- scene I've ever seen. I have not watched Blair Witch since it was in the theaters in the theaters i just i just sound like a a 90 year old but no but do you remember like i don't know if you remember what a cultural event blair witch was it was 
it was nuts. I was in Boston at the time. I was living with this photographer boyfriend, and Heather Donahue, who's the star of Blair Witch, I had not seen or talked to in a, a decade, right? And so my boyfriend gets this press kit in because he's going to photograph these, this, the creators of this new movie that everybody started to talk about already before it's even out. And I look through the press packet and I was like, holy shit, that's Heather Donahue. Oh my God. <laughs> and so I went to see it. So I think that it was a different experience for me because I knew Heather. But I mean, lines, I remember going to see it in Boston and just like lines around the block to get into this movie. And it being so goddamn scary. Just the scariest movie. It was, I mean, I can watch, like the things that really scare me in a movie are like, mass murderers, spree killers, serial murderers. Like, that's what I can't watch. Yeah, things that seem realistic, seem that you could be realistically murdered by. Yes, I I started watching American Horror Story, the Gianni Versace story, but the guy who plays Andrew Cunanan does such a convincing job of being like a murderous wacko that I had to stop. Yeah, no, because you're just like, ooh, those people do live among us. Like, this is a little bit real. Yes, yes. But, like, ghosts and stuff, like, I can handle that pretty well. Okay. But, okay. but, but that last scene did me in. Just did me in. So scary. I don't even remember. Is that the scene where she's got the, where she's, like, talking to the camera and she's got the snot? Is that the, no, is no. the snot scene? Okay. Okay, spoiler alert, anyone who hasn't seen it. But at the beginning of the movie, when they interview the townspeople, mm-hmm. one guy says, well, there was a rumor that she'd take two kids at a time, kill one kid while she made the other one stand in the corner and wait because she couldn't stand to see their eyes. And it, the last scene of the movie is Heather Donahue's character, like out of sight, you know, unseen, just screaming bloody murder while the surviving guy stands in the corner. Oh. Oh, no. No, I don't remember that. And, you know, the truth is I may have walked out. I don't do that well in scary movies. (laughs) It's possible I walked out. It's possible. Um, But, yeah, so you finally saw that. What, What... what made you want, I was going to say, what possessed you? What made you want to see the Blair Witch again? That seems like a random choice. Never saw it the first time. Mm-hmm. Knew that Heather Donahue was going to be on the podcast. And the boyfriend, in, a, in a, um, an act that sounds kind of controlling but isn't, has made a list of like movies that he loves that I haven't seen yet. I don't think that's controlling. I think that's nice. And you know what else? I think it's nice to have a guide for what you're going to watch. I love making a list. This is a big argument in my house is like, what are we going to watch tonight? It's not even an argument. It's just, it's not, it's, it's so flaccid. It's not even an argument. It's just the most annoying conversation. Cause it's like, well, we could watch this. And then you start going through the different streaming platforms. And I really, even talking about this, I could have a little PTSD of just my husband just swiping really quickly through Netflix. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, wait, what, what, why are you passing that? What are we, we could watch that. What's that movie with, what's that movie with Ethan Hawke? I don't, is that, is that French? You know, (laughs) like, it's so stressful deciding what to watch with another, well, by yourself too, but with another person and 
God forbid we get into the Criterion channel because then it's just like, I don't fucking know. Like which black and white, which pretentious black and white foreign thing do we, do we say we want to watch? But in reality, when it's presented in front of us, neither of us really wants to watch it. And who's going to fess up first that nobody wants to watch this fucking movie? It's a, it's a short jump from the Criterion collection to Canopy, which is even more like academic and obscure. Oh, you know, I, sometimes I'll be like, I want to be educated about a topic, you know, (laughs) like I started like, well, this is too, because I don't need to be educated about Hemingway, but I was like, I'd like to watch the Ken Burns Hemingway documentary. I'd like to have had watched, have watched it, you know, and I started watching it and I was like, oh my God, is this six hours? This is so boring. (laughs) I have so little attention span because all I really, all I, I get all my entertainment from Instagram, let's face it. Yeah, I understand. I understand that. You know what else I started watching but could not finish um, was the We Work documentary. Okay, okay. Which I've, I, I have talked about my slight obsession with We Work before. Um, but it was started by this like crazy egomaniac who actually said things like in 300 years, my heirs will still run this business and we're changing the way people live. He was a big one. Like this business is actually going to change how people relate to one another. Right, right. Oh God, all these tech, these tech bros and their hubris and I'm doing a jerk off motion right now. Right, yeah, right. Yes. The jerk off motion. So they started, we live a, 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 a living space and they started like a, we school and all this stuff, but it, it just, I couldn't even finish it. It was just so infuriating. Because the guy who started WeWork got, you know, was bounced from the company and ended right. up with like something ridiculous, like $20 billion. Maybe not $20 billion, but billions. I mean, look, the, well, first off, the parachutes that they give these monsters out of these companies is horrifying. That's just first. I mean, and I worked a little bit in Silicon Valley. Like I was at the Yahoo campus often. And I think that we're going to look back on everything that happened there and technology and just the mismanagement and all these young people and, you know, fail harder and like just like pushing work. Like I think that that the nexus of Silicon Valley has created so many things that have been detrimental to society. I think we will look back on like the big tech moment as really a dark time. I, I really do. I think the the cultures they've created around work and how people are supposed to work um, and the hubris of these founders and the misogyny and just all just all of it, just culturally, it is, it's monstrous. And like, I know that WeWork is not necessarily, I don't think it's a Silicon Valley, but it's still, it's still like that same entrepreneur, like swashbuckling, like we're going to disrupt things, you know, we're going to disrupt the system. And then they treat their employees like shit. And again and again, yeah, again and again, how many articles can there be about these startups and how horrible employees are treated at them? Yeah, I mean, look, I I worked in this. Like, this is no joke. Like, I worked in situations where people were, like, throwing things at you, slamming doors, no boundaries around work. You're getting text. You're getting slack. You're getting, like, you're just, ugh, all, like, work never ends. So, yeah. We're really bitching today. Are we really? Oh, my God. Should we be more positive? Well, <laughs> God, 
really bitching today. The vaccine people, the horrible tech bros. But we did oh talk about we did talk about shows and movies we liked, so that was positive. And Eric Knees. And Eric Knees. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Eric Knees. Um, I've been thinking. I've been coming to terms with. I want to talk. I have something a little bit positive. Um, I've been thinking a lot about ambition lately, obviously, because that's all I'm going to be thinking about for the next year. And also the thing is something psychotic happens to you when you're writing a book where everything kind of relates to the book. Like suddenly, like you're like, oh, wait, are they talking about ambition? You're suddenly like so tuned into whatever the topic of your book is that you start seeing it everywhere. This is a really annoying thing that happens. But I've been thinking about... I'm thinking about a lot about when I was younger and why I was so ambitious and my standards were so high for everything and for everyone around me, right? So it was very hard to manage because my standards were so high. My standards for myself were so high. And I was thinking about the relationship between ambition and really having something to prove and why I'm not as ambitious ambitious now is because I know I can do it and I don't have anything to prove to anybody. Well, somebody once said to me, because they were talking about, you know, oh, you did Lucky, oh, you did Sassy. And I was like, yeah, but those are, or I was at Sassy rather, I shouldn't say I did it. And, and, and um, like, that's also cool. And I was like, yeah, but what have I done lately? And they're like, it all goes on the back of your baseball card. You know, right. it's like, it's all there. It doesn't go away because it happened a while ago. Um, and I, I kind of believe that, you know, and, and I agree. I was crazy ambitious when I was younger. And I do think it's like you come to New York, you work in publishing, mastheads are pyramids, you know, people get, right. pe- people get picked off, you know, and, right. and, and so that fear, I mean, I think fear was what drove me. Yes, I have that written down in my notes. I was just going to say, I think ambition was about, for me, fear fear that I wouldn't make it, fear that I couldn't do it. And then like the, the, the anger and the jealousy and all of that. And then ego, obviously. Yep. And what I was thinking about is how much we looked, we tend to look down on people who are not ambitious. Like, oh, well, what she's just going to, she stayed in that job for 30 years. Oh my God. It's like, it's so sad when people who are not really ambitious are often the most content people because they're just like, yeah, I found my lane. I'm comfortable here. Yep. Yep. Which is, which is, I would say how I feel now, you know, I'm very happy with the blog and the podcast and whatever else, the occasional article being my lane. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I have found, I don't know that I have found what contentment is for me right now. And that's what I'm kind of chasing. Like where's the balance but I don't have anything to prove. Like I don't need to take on like a big editing job because I've done that. I don't have to manage 25 people. I've done it. I know I can do these things successfully. And I guess I wonder if I needed that knowledge in order to be at peace without with not making those decisions. Like I wonder if I would have always wondered, oh, could I have done that? You know, could I have been an editor in chief? Could I have done this if I hadn't done it? Just like, you know, if you don't sleep with a lot of people before you commit to somebody, like, do you always wonder, oh, what it would have been like to sleep with a lot of people? Actually, kind of sucks. 
<laughs> but like you need the experience, you know? Mm-hmm. But I was, yeah, I don't operate on, I don't operate professionally anymore on that like really hyper frequency of needing to prove something. That's sort of, that's sort of my point, but also I don't exactly know where I want to land next. Yeah. You know, I really relate to this, like, would I have felt like something was missing if I had never accomplished this thing? And what I always say about Lucky is I wouldn't have been happy if I hadn't done something on that. um, What's the simple word I'm looking for? on that level 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 thank you (laughs) you're welcome a very simple word i wouldn't have been happy if i hadn't done something on that level but having done it i don't care to ever do it again right and it is that question of do you need to do the thing and or always feel like uh, always feel a longing and a pining for it because largely Outside of like the first couple of months and then a few moments here and there, largely those big achievements are pretty miserable. And I will say that you said to me in the height of lucky, and I don't know if you remember this, but you, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I remember having a moment with you and you were really stressed out. I mean, you were often really stressed out in that job, but I remember you saying to me, don't, don't go for the top position. Take the second. Yep. The people in the second position have more fun. You know what? I was just telling that story the other day because I was talking about how I discovered that. And it was when I went to Milan for the fashion shows. And when I first went, there were one or two designers who wouldn't put me in the front row. And that was, embarrassingly enough, a big deal back then. You really wanted the editor-in-chief to be in the front row from a business perspective, from an image perspective. It was not good if they were in the second row. And there were a couple of designers who just weren't going to do it. I was new to Milan. They, the Italians never liked Lucky. So I'm sitting at one of these shows in the second row feeling kind of irritated. And then the show starts and I'm like, this is kind of awesome. Like not being exposed in the front row with people staring at you. I can hide here. You know, it's good to have a couple people you can hide behind who have your, you know, who, whose responsibility the whole fucking thing is if it falls apart. Right. It's their responsibility to be exposed. And, but we are trained in this society to think we have to have the top slot. And so there's all kinds of other slots along the path that you might fit better in. That you might fit better in and that have plenty of responsibility and will cause you plenty of stress. Also true. Also true. (laughs) Yes. Also true. Don't go for the main job. Like that will cause you, I mean, Romolini, think about the shape I was in. I know you weren't at Lucky, but by the time Lucky fired me, I was, I got migraines every day. I had suffered from deep depression. Like, I was stressed out all the time. I was like several sizes skinnier than I am now. I was like, yeah. it, it almost killed me. I mean, I would say it almost, almost killed me. Yeah, no, I... I know because when I was at, well, when I was in several jobs, I mean, the Yahoo job, the corporate job, just people, just constant meetings. And there's so many things you're navigating and it's just like whack-a-mole all the time. It felt like a war to me. It felt like I was in battle because I was constantly having to fight for my staff, fight for what I thought was right you know, make sure I kept the numbers up. I was meeting goals and expectations, like cutting through red tape of hiring people, like all of it. It was so messy and so stressful. And I had ulcers from that, that I still think my, my stomach is not, is not right from those days. 
I mean, I don't know how much work is changing because I haven't been in a corporate environment in a long time, but the sniffs I get here and there, like when I take on a consulting project and I am talking to somebody for a long time and I'm like, this meeting is a waste of time. Do you all know that this week, like you guys just exist in a, in just a, in just all kinds of dysfunction that's just grandfathered into the system and everybody kind of goes along with, but it's not, it's not efficient. It's not healthy. It's disorganized, you know, whatever it winds up being. But yeah, no, I, I wish I had known that earlier, but then again, I don't know. I usually let jealousy guide me in terms of what I want. Um, I still, I usually let, and I still do because I think that it helps me understand what I want is the things that I'm the most jealous of. Right. Um, and you know, that's, that's why I'm writing a second book. Cause I was like, fuck this. I want to be writing a second book. I want to be doing all this asshole promotion on Instagram for my book. And like, here's the thing when I have to, when it comes time to do the promotion for my book, I'm going to hate it. I'm going to become like a turtle and just like want to be inside the shell, you know? But I, I could feel that that was something that I, I did want to do. And we've talked about this before, like identifying what you want. But um, anyway, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about ambition and, and how we think that it waning as we get older is a bad thing, but it's not actually a bad thing at all. It's, it's, it's getting rid of the, the ego monster of ambition can actually getting it out of the way can actually bring you clarity to what you actually want to do. Yep. I I had no idea. Like when I was at Lucky those last few years, I was dying to like quit my job and move to Austin and live in a cute little house. Right. But I was like, what will I do? Like where am I gonna go? Where what job do you take after this? It's the same reason that many people are miserable working at the New York Times but never leave, because it's like, well this is the Times. And I was like, this is Condé Nast. This is being the editor of a magazine. Like, surely, you know, most people would be content with this. But I was just dying to get out of there. And I feel, you know, I I was actually, I, I, I don't remember many times in my life I was happier than when I got fired. Like a month after I got fired, when I sort of returned to myself. Yeah. Headache and my headaches started going away. I was like, this is it. Like I'm I'm never going I'm never climbing on that ladder again. It does feel like a jailbreak. Like when you actually have freedom outside of that, if you can find that for yourself to get out of a toxic job, because there is the thing, you're absolutely right. There is the thing of blaming yourself. There's the thing of like, well, it must be me. It must be me. This job is so great. But it's like it's not you. If it's not working for you, it doesn't matter how good the job, how, you know, quote unquote, good the job is. The job is not good if it's not working for you. And I, I do think that that jailbreak feeling, and I remember being really disoriented the first couple of weeks because all of a sudden all these pressures have been lifted from you, you know, like, and you don't, and all this like brain, all this space that was in your, you know, brain space, real estate that this job was taking up is suddenly released back to you. And it takes a minute to adjust to that. I yeah, feel like uh, totally, totally. It took me a while yeah. to like, remember who literally remember who I was. I had been straining to like be who I needed to be in that job. And it was not me on any level. Yeah. And I think we need to normalize. I think we need to normalize a lack of ambition. 
Like, I think we need to just normalize, like, oh, yeah, I feel cool right now. I'm making enough money. Like, great. That's exactly where we should be, like, in that mid-zone, you know? If we can find that equilibrium where work is balanced, where we have a healthy relationship with work, where we're not so frenetic about it, you know? Yep. That's that's where we should I feel like that's where we should be and I I haven't quite gotten there yet but I that's where I'm that's where I'm headed I hope. Well, you know what part of the problem is and I'm sure it's a problem in other fields but was especially a problem in media is that your job becomes your identity so yes. quickly and so thoroughly. Yeah. And yeah. you know, once you're once you've like tied your job in with who you are, then you're really in a not very like flexible space no right well because then who are you without it yeah who are you without it and it turns out you're just like yourself which if you don't like yourself oh man this is this becomes a problem really fast (laughs) or you know it, it, it becomes a huge problem or if all the trappings of a job are what bring you your identity yes 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 and like the social life that surrounds it and all of that um you know, speaking of not liking yourself, I did want to bring something up um, from the last couple of episodes. I feel like um, we talked about bodies almost in, I think we were going a little further than either of us feels um, joking about bodies. And I just wanted to say that I, I feel like maybe I was a little insensitive the way I was talking about, you know, fat on a body or anything else. And and just, you know, feeling bad about my own body, which honestly, I don't really feel bad about my own body these days. Like, I think that we were like having like a laugh a little bit. Um, but I was thinking about it because someone wrote in and said um, that people with thin privilege, which, you know, honestly, we both have. I, I do not uh, currently have thin privilege. I am a size 10 or 12. I, that, is not, that is not fat. That is not fat, but that is decidedly not thin. Okay, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would disagree with you there, but um, because you're not, I don't think that you would get into like you know weight discrimination at that at that weight. But but the, it's neither here nor there. What I want to say is that I just I want to be. I know I still have a lot to learn, and I have some old old programming and old messaging, and sometimes I feel like. I still need to work on my sensitivity of talking about my body, about other bodies in general and, or about bodies in general. And I just, I just wanted to address that because I think that it's something to really keep in mind because I don't, first off, I'm happy in my skin, but also I don't want to put that out into the world because I feel like we all need to be accepting of our bodies and, and, you know, et cetera. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I'm, I'm not trying to, um, argue with what you're saying because I think that's a really fair statement and I have heard from people in other comments that when we trash when you and I trash our respective bodies it makes them feel bad and I agree that body acceptance is very important I am I just wrote on the blog today that I have medium accepted my body (laughs) yes yes but, you know, it, I can tell you that I absolutely see a difference in the way, like, people in stores and Mater D's approach me. Yeah. So I can only imagine what it's like if 
you know, let's say I have thin privilege. If I did not have thin privilege, it's, you know, it's ugly. Yeah, no, it is, it is super ugly, you know, and, and it's just so easy to fall into those things and waste time. It's so hard not to hate yourself physically, aesthetically, as everything's changing, because I certainly have things about my face. Like the other day I didn't have, I had contacts in, I usually wear giant glasses and I had contacts in the other day and, um, my husband snapped a picture of me and I really saw how hooded my eyelids are and how aging, like my face looks older, like with no makeup on and without glasses or anything, it looks older. And sometimes I feel, okay, all right, this is, this is okay. And other times I'm like, take me to the fucking place to get the thing that makes this stop, you know? Yep. And I have mixed feelings about all of it, about Botox, about fillers, about, you know, getting my neck done, about, you know, not to mention the expense of it, but I have mixed feelings about all of it because I do feel like our bodies are becoming what our bodies are supposed to be. You know, we're relatively both healthy people, whatever that means, and my face is becoming what it's it's supposed to be. And it's like, I just keep being tested I keep being tested to be accepting. And it's like, it's just going to keep coming. You know, it's the Pamela Adlon thing in Better Things where she looks at her friend and says, you realize we today look the best we're ever going to look. Like, And it's true, right? It is true. I wonder if there isn't some, like, when I, when I said I had medium accepted my body, like, medium acceptance isn't bad. No, it's not bad. It's, it's not, not bad. bad. And so living in a world where we are confronted with youthful images all the time um, and where, you know, living in a city like New York or L.A. where people are very image conscious, you know, it's hard to have 100% acceptance. But I do feel like, you know, at this moment in time, I have the body and the face I have. You know, what I choose to do with it in the future with those things is is up in the air. I feel the same very mixed way you do about injections and surgery. But like for today, I'm medium okay. I think medium okay is not bad. And you know, all of this shit starts so young. I've been spending time with some teenagers lately. Mm -hmm. And the girls are almost to a person so beautiful and so ripe. And their bodies yeah. are fantastic. And yeah. I, I said to one of them who I kind of know, like, I hope you are, ha- I hope this doesn't sound creepy, number one, but I hope you are happy with the body you have because there is nothing wrong with it. Yeah. There yeah. is just nothing wrong with it. And, 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 and sure enough, she was like, well, I hate this and I hate that. And I just thought, you know, it gets, you know, we've talked about how programmed we were by our mothers always being on diets. Yep. And, you know, which prompted somebody to write to us and uh, write to us on Twitter and say, you too are responsible for just as much bad body body image by the fact that you worked at fashion magazines. Yeah. That that too was a factor. Yeah. So medium, medium acceptance. That's my new, that's my new mantra. No, yeah, I agree. I agree medium acceptance. I mean, just just accept just I I have to I just don't want to waste any more time hating myself. Like that is what I'm really like 
one of the things I've been doing lately is I've been trying out different kinds of exercises. Like I was like, how much longer in my life am I going to be able to jump rope? <laughs> like I've been having like this, how much longer in my life am I going to? And then just like, like, you know, sprinting up a hill or just like trying to feel in my body and my body's power and strength. Because one thing I'm just like is when, when is this going to, when am I not going to be able to do this anymore? Right. When, you know, and I, and I'm aware that it's like, you know, probably 20, 30 years, but that's not that long. <laughs> you know, like, I want to, I want to keep being, I want to feel my body and feel good in it. I do too. And my 84 year old mother exercises more than me. Like she <laughs> swims all summer long. She swims in the bay every day. You know, it's a habit. It's a habit. And as you and I have discussed, we are, neither of us are very good habit creators. No, but I will say I do. I work out every day. That's good. I was, I was, I made a playlist and danced around my apartment every day during COVID, um, during the thick of COVID. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I played it this morning. I was like, you must move. You must exercise. So I danced around the apartment a little. That was good. I don't mean I don't do a lot, but I either take I either take a, I do like twenty minutes when I wake up. I either do like a twenty minute like just straight aerobics class just to get my heart rate up, or I do um, twenty minutes of yoga, or I go for a twenty minute walk. Like I try to do one of those things early in the morning, before anybody's awake, just because also it's also for my head, because of how cloudy my head has been. Yeah, my my head has been wicked cloudy. Wicked cloudy. Like walking into the kitchen and be, you know the feeling. Like you're in the kitchen. Why am I in the kitchen? Yes. Okay. Only when you return from the kitchen to where you were sitting on the sofa will you remember what you went to the kitchen for. Yes. Yes. I saw somebody online getting, speaking of the vaccination, who was getting their second vax vaccination. It was a menopausal, it was like a menopause influencer who I follow all of them, by the way, because, um, I mean, Alex, I, th- I told you that my husband calls us old fluencers, which is just <laughs> hilarious. I love that. But I saw her and she had put a post-it note in every room of her house with the same information, which is second vax dose, the date and the time, <laughs> like because if not, I'm going to forget. No, I forget everything. But as discussed, this is a temporary condition. Um, and then we're going to be cognitive superagers and that's it. We're going to be cognitive superagers and everything's going to be great. That's it. See, we ended on an up note. We did. Good on <laughs> us. Good on us. Well, it's good to talk to you today. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Uh, thank you for listening to Everything is Fine. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it on all the platforms. It really makes a difference. Uh, if you want to follow our show's Patreon, we put bonus episodes and bonus content on there every week. It's patreon.com backslash everything is fine. You can email us everything is fine. The podcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at EIF podcast. We're also on Twitter and Facebook, and you can find Kim on her blog, girls of a certain age.com. 
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.